0: Welcome back to another episode of Lend Me Your Ears. Um, I just have to start off by saying I am blown away by uh, you. (laughs) The fact that you you all are tuning in and listening every week. Um, I didn't think this was really going to go anywhere. I didn't know if it would catch much speed or momentum, but man has it. Uh, We surpassed 1,000 downloads this week, um, which is just crazy. (laughs) So... It's, uh, it's humbling that uh, that you guys are listening, but it's also just mind-blowing that you guys are listening. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, thank you for tuning in and and uh, for all the positive feedback. Like I said before, it really means a lot to get those messages throughout the week and to know that uh, my ramblings are, are helping you out. So let's jump back into it. Enough of the mushy stuff. <laughs> um, so last week, Uh, I went over the difference between service and sales, and like I mentioned, I had planned on going over how to pay technicians, and we pay commission here, Um, and as I was writing out the outline, just the beginning of it, the the first half of the outline took on a life of its own, which was last week, and this week, I I am going to go over how we do our commission, but I mean, there's even more to go over still. uh, As I kept writing this out, just the why behind it is so much more important than the what. So, I do want to put a little disclaimer in. Uh, I did get a couple messages from people this week and last week. Well, more than last week's episode. This entire podcast is aimed towards the the smaller, beginning to grow, starting to grow. You know, got a few trucks on the road. Chimney company. That's that's the the target audience for this podcast. If you have you know designated salespeople, you have an estimating team. If you have you know dozens and dozens of trucks, or you're much bigger than me, then this really isn't for you. (laughs) When I'm talking about service over sales, there is definitely a place for sales in this industry. I I have a lot of friends, a lot of clients that have stove shops, hearth shops, they sell things. That's a completely different animal. Um, If you have lead estimators or somebody whose entire job is to sell, once again, totally different animal. But Everything that I talk about is geared towards the first six, seven years of my business, which was starting very small, starting to grow, figuring out how to how to navigate this this small business ownership life. Really. So that being said, that's that's who I was talking to. I think a lot of you got that, but just wanted to get that out there. So the difference between well, you know how do I have commission based technicians but not sell. You know, that's a, it's a hard idea to wrap your head around because to most people, commission means you have to sell something in order to make money. Um, we don't here. All of my technicians, my lead technicians, assistant technicians, managers, they all have a service mentality that drives them to do their job. I've actually had salespeople work for me before. Uh, of course, I didn't hire them to be salespeople. That's just who they were. Um, I had one technician that worked for me a couple of years ago. I mean, this is saying a lot, but probably the worst employee that I had hired, worst hire I made, uh, and I'll tell you why. So this was back when we were hiring experienced people, and I I went over that a few uh, episodes ago, the difference between hiring somebody green, growing them into what you want them to be, rather than retraining somebody that already comes with all of their baggage and bad habits. So this was one of those. Hired him. Had tons of experience during the interview. He said all the right things and we were like, we want you to train our assistants. We want you to to help everybody grow. We want you to be a team player. And of course he nodded and everything's great and we're going to get off to a great start. But what people say in an interview is very rarely what you get when you get them into the field. We know that. So with this guy, uh, he had come from another company that was sales driven. They, they sold, uh, stoves and parts and it was just more of a sales mindset. And I worked really hard to change that. Never really could. He actually asked me to pay him commission when I hired him. And I said, we don't do that here. That's not a, that's not a thing. We pay hourly. We're not a sales company. You know, I hadn't really made that shift in my mindset yet. So he wasn't happy about it, but I gave him a very, very handsome hourly rate. And I said, here you go. So he was at that point, the highest paid technician at Caesar chimney service. And he goes to work. I hired him in January by June. He was fired. (laughs) So he lasted six months in our company. But the funny part of that, well, funny now at the time, it wasn't very funny, but the funny part was that when he was finally let go in June of that year, I checked the numbers and he had 148 hours of overtime. 148 hours of overtime in six months. To put that into perspective, that's about six, seven hours a week per week. But even bigger perspective is we finished out that year. And at the end of that calendar year, nobody beat him. Nobody had more overtime hours by the end of that year than this technician. And the person in second place ended with 135 hours of overtime. And he, that technician that finished in second place, was one of those go-getters that worked every single weekend throughout the fall. He was begging for work, give me the work, I'll do it. He was going out every Saturday, working full Saturdays every week for about four or five months in a row. He still finished in second place for the year after this guy that worked half a year and racked up almost 150 hours of overtime. So I was trying to figure out why that is. And what I came up with is when you pay an hourly rate the only way that a technician can make well there's three ways a technician can make more money they can ask for more work like that second technician did like I, I was mentioning you he asked for more work he wants to work more hours work longer days work extra days you can make more money that way the problem with that is you're going to burn out your technicians really quick I mean there's no, I, when I first started in this industry, I would talk to people like, Oh yeah, yeah. I did chimney sweeping back in the day, man. It killed me completely. Wiped me out. Couldn't do it. Had to get another job because I just, my body couldn't take it. And I'm like, Oh, great. That's fantastic. But that's the truth. This job is a hard job. And if you work 10, 12 hour days, every single day, or you work six, seven days a week, every single week, this job will wear you out. And even though they're making more money, the technicians are going to pay the price for it physically, mentally that it just, it's not a good idea. The other option is they can milk the clock. And that's what this one technician did. Uh, 140 hours of overtime in six months, but very, very little to show for it. Uh, he actually was the reason we got, uh, our, our only one star review we've ever received at Caesar chimney. And it was because a, uh, a customer was waiting for their estimate and I think five six weeks goes by this lady's calling in she's looking for her estimate or any kind of clarification and we kept going to this technician hey call her back call her back call her back six weeks later one star review it's still on google you can find it right now that he just never called her back and I'm like what how I don't understand (laughs) give her a phone call kind of thing. but I digress that's that's the difference between somebody with a commission mindset he wanted to make as much money as he was making before with sales. But the only way to do it with an hourly rate is to work more hours. Whether or not you get any return out of that depends on the employee, but you're only going to get two options. You're either going to get somebody that doesn't do any work and stays on the clock, or you're going to get somebody that's a go-getter with a a driven mindset, and they're going to stay on the clock longer and do more, but kill themselves in the process. And neither one of those is a really good uh, outcome. So after we let this technician go, I started thinking about it. I was like, how do we how do we wrap our heads around paying commission? And nobody in the company wanted it. I did a poll. Well, I, there was only six of us there, five or six of us. And I was like, hey, I'm thinking about switching. After working with this technician that was just let go, of course, nobody had a really good <laughs> mindset around commission. They're like, no, we don't want to do it. I was like, but, but money and time, and the only way you can make more money is for me to give you more work and you're going to, you know, where they didn't care. And they're like, no, I don't want the, the unsurety of depending on sales to, to get money. I don't want it. I just want a steady paycheck. So I had to figure out how to, how to make that happen. Right. So what I came up with was what we call it commission. And I, I keep saying that word and I use it a lot because that is what it is. That's what our system calls it. That's what, um, our payroll calls it, but it's really not. It's more of a piece rate. So what we do at Caesar Chimney is you get a percentage of all the jobs that you've done. I don't care how many jobs you've sold or how many estimates you give or how many estimates you close. That doesn't matter to me. I know it matters to a lot of people and it's a good number to track, but that's not what the, that's not the driving factor behind my technicians pay. They get paid on what they do. So that includes sweepings. If you go out and you do a sweeping and inspection, you get a percentage, that same percentage off a repair that you do from your sweeping. So on a repair, you do, let's say a $2,000 job and you take the materials out, you get paid a commission percentage on whatever's left over. That same commission percentage we take off of a sweeping and inspection, but there's no materials to take out. It's, it's straight labor. So it's easy to compute. And actually, our, our uh, CRM does it for us. We just click a button at the end of the week and it says, hey, here's how much money they made. Here's how, how much materials they used. Here's the difference. And the percentage of that, boom, there's their pay. It's very, very simple. But the the mindset behind that is they get paid on everything they do. So I had technicians in the past. I think I talked about this already, but it just it stuck in my head that somebody could say this. Friday afternoon, technicians come back. It was like three o'clock in the afternoon, and I was like, oh, you guys finished up? I was like, how was that last job? You know, the note said it was going to be kind of crazy. It was, oh, yeah, it was crazy. Creosote everywhere, and it was just a complete mess, so we didn't sweep it. <laughs> and he said, what? He's like, yeah, we didn't sweep. It was too dirty to sweep. And I'm like, what does that even mean? That is the literal, that's the name of your job is to go sweep these chimneys and it was too, how does, how can something be too dirty to sweep? It was like, oh, well, I was, I was afraid the tiles were going to collapse. Chimney was going to be, I was like, so that's different. So the tiles were like caved in. Well, no, it was just too dirty. I couldn't see the tiles. I'm like, okay, buddy, And he charged for an inspection? I called the customer that night and uh, apologized profusely. I said, can I come out tomorrow? Saturday morning, I went out with my son and took a look at the same chimney, ran a brush up it, cleaned everything out. It was uh, an oil boiler. And I mean, there was so much soot piled up in this chimney that there was a black plume coming out. And it was just crazy how dirty this was. Swept it. Of course, the chimney didn't collapse. That doesn't happen during a sweeping. Tiles were all, well, they weren't fine. They didn't collapse, but they were cracked all to hell. Gave her a liner estimate. She booked the liner. we fixed the chimney. Great. But that's supposed to be our job. This technician was was lazy is what it was. It was a Friday afternoon. He was late in the day. He didn't want to get dirty anymore. He just said, oh, you know, give her a liner estimate and leave without actually being able to see anything. Charged her an inspection fee, was only there for 20 minutes. I'm like, this is not how we operate here. But he had a sales mindset. It wasn't a service mindset. He wasn't there to, to, to serve the customer. The whole reason that customer had called was because every time her boiler kicked on, black smoke had come out of the top obviously because that's how dirty it was and that's the whole reason she called was black soot coming out and I was like when you left she still has the same problem well yeah not if I I put a liner in well that no no that's sales you're you're pushing product here you're not solving her problem yes your product will solve her problem but you didn't solve it in the moment so why would she ever think you can solve And it's just so by switching to this version of commission now my technicians get a percentage of whatever they bring in, whatever they do. Now, if you're going to sweep something, it's extra cost. We charge for inspections first and sweepings after. It's not really an add-on, but it is an extra cost. So if you sweep it, you get more money. If there's more flus in the chimney, I had another technician that would, we used to, it was $150 for our inspection cost per flue plus $100 for sweeping. And then if you had more flus, it was a higher cost plus $100 for sweeping. We would send this technician out and he would say, you know, single flu, um, 150, whatever. He would come back at the end of the day and I'd look back at his jobs and he was there for three and a half hours, four hours. I'm like, what did you do there? And I'd look and he only charged the one hundred and I'm like, okay. And I'd look at his inspection reports and there's three flus in the chimney and he inspected all three. He's got camera scannings. He's got measurements. He's got pipes taken off of boilers and wood stoves and looking down. I'm like, you inspected three flus and you only charged there for one. Why would you do that? Well, you know, I didn't want to jack the price up. I'm like, it's not jacking the price up. If you worked for four hours on a job, we thought you're going to be there for an hour. Like that's, it, uh, I, that doesn't compute. But to a technician, it made total sense. Now I send somebody out for a single flu inspection. There's three flus and all three need sweeping or inspection or maintenance or something they now get paid a piece of what they do, not what they sell. Huge difference. Uh, I've talked to a number of other companies that pay commission. And like I said with my guys, the biggest fear is usually they're not going to get paid a a uh, a standard rate or, or a steady uh, rate of pay every single week. So when you get on commission, it can go up, it can go down, and they're worried about not getting anything. Uh, when I was in sales <laughs> in a different lifetime, it seems at this point, There were weeks I got a zero check. It just was it was because I didn't sell anything that week. So my check was zero and I had to make it up to next week, which made me sell harder. And all of a sudden the customers are seeing dollar signs in my eyes and it's just a terrible place to be. And I lived it. So I don't want my technicians ever getting zero. I don't want them ever getting paid something so low that they can't live for that week. That's not what this is about. So like I said, other companies have found a way around that where they will do a draw. They'll say, you'll, you'll make a minimum of this every week. And if you don't make that minimum, I can make up the difference. I'll pay you extra that you didn't make, but you owe me. So when it gets busy, when you get a bigger check, I'll take it back. And it's, that works. There's a lot of big companies out there that do that. I ran the numbers myself. We could do that. I'm just lazy. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to have to keep tabs on who owes what. And I have to, you know, I I know you got a great check, but remember four months ago, I've got to take $500 from you. Sorry. Like, I don't want to do that. It's just not who I am. If it works for you, do it. My way around that is if I'm paying based on what they're bringing in, they're always going to get paid. They can never not get paid unless there's no work. That's a whole different story. So the way that I came up with my commission scale um, is I just, you talk about knowing your numbers. Once I started getting into this type of pay scale, I started learning my numbers in ways I didn't even want to, but now I know them. So I talked before in another episode about how to set your prices, figure out how much money you want to make in profit over what it costs to do the job. Right. So on sweepings and inspections, the only cost to do the job is the labor and some gas and, you know, a couple uh, like insurance stuff like that. But really, day to day labor, maybe a tank of gas. Once you figure out what your pricing is, then our technicians only do three to four appointments a day. I'm going to put that out there. That's a whole separate episode that's coming up about why you should only be doing three to four uh, appointments a day we can't do more than four. It's just almost impossible with the level of work we do. So different topic. Um, so three to four appointments a day. What I did was I took three to four appointments times our average price for a sweeping times five days a week, you get a number. Then play with some percentages. So I know people that pay 10%, some pay 20%, 25, 16, 14, whatever the number is, figure out what your technician's Average pay is for a 40 to 50 hour week. I know I'm kind of getting confusing, so (laughs) it's hard to do this through a microphone without like a PowerPoint or or diagram. So try to keep up with me as I bounce all over the place. First, you got to figure out what your technicians make 40 to 45 hours on an average. Let's say it's 850, throwing a number out there. That's what they make in a 40 to 45 hour week average. They make 850. Then figure out three and a half. Uh, sweepings a day times five days, you'll get a big number, right? Play around with the percentages on that and figure out what percentage you would have to give on a week full of only sweepings to get them close to what they would make in a 40 hour week. I think I explained that right. (laughs) And then you'll, you'll get your baseline. So you'll know if you give them a full week of sweepings on commission, they will make at or around the same amount of money they would have made if they were hourly. Make it a little lower is what I did, because that's your baseline. Remember, that's only sweepings. That's going to be, for me, the lowest amount they can make in a week because they're going to do repairs. And if they do repairs, higher job tickets, higher commission, they're going to make more money off of it. So that's what I did. I sat and I played with numbers for months and I was like figuring out what is the average because of course, everybody does different amount of work. And at the time, like I said, I had guys that were only inspecting one when they should have inspected three and guys that were pushing sales and guys that weren't. So the numbers were everywhere. It was such a, a vast difference in the top guy and the bottom guy that it was really hard to get an average number. Now that we're on commission, the numbers are almost even across the board. Everybody give or take a few jobs here and there, we'll do about the same every week, which is what we want. We want consistency. We want people to be comfortable. Once in a while, somebody gets a ridiculously massive job and they're going to make out. I mean, I've had guys make more in a week than I do as the owner. I love that. That's what I want for them. If you're going to go out there and kill yourself for a massive, I don't know what, rebuild 45 foot, tear down liner, 12 inch, whatever it is they're doing. That's a massive hard job. I want you to get paid for that. There's no way in hell I'm going to put somebody up there that, well, he's making $20 an hour. What that does going back to the technicians I had before with that kind of a mindset is either it's going to take them longer to do the job because they're feeling it. They're feeling that I'm only making X amount of dollars an hour and if I get this done too quick, I'm not going to make any money. So let's stretch it out. And now you've got a job that's awful and it's hard or it's difficult or dangerous. And now you've got guys that are like, let's not get this done too soon because we won't make any money on it. That's a recipe for disaster. That's where you get technicians that start to milk the clock and half ass it and take a lot of breaks. And, and they're, they're just trying to make eight hours so that they can get paid. And they don't want to get caught with their pants down out there because then it looks like they're milking it. So they'll just go really slow. I had the same thing. That guy I talked about, 148 hours guy, all his overtime. We sent him out on a rebuild and it was a four-day job. We had it book from, I think it was Tuesday to Friday. Uh, Max and I were out at a training and we weren't around that day. And we we're checking in with them regularly. We're like, "Hey, how's the job going?" It was a huge rebuild uh, chimney scaffolding, a couple liners. It was it was a really big job. We had, I think 3 or 4 guys on that job. I don't remember. I know there was at least 3, maybe 4. But two of my senior guys were the lead technicians on it, and my son was the assistant technician for it. And I think it was Thursday. Thursday we called him and said, "How's the job going?" And he goes, "Oh, it's great." All we have tomorrow is to put on two courses of brick at the top, pour a crown, put the liner in. And Max and I look at each other, we're like, yeah, they did it. Four-day job, massive job. It's huge. They they actually did it. They're going to be done early tomorrow and it's going to be, we're all excited. Friday, we, we hear from the office that Darren came back, my son came back to the shop around 11 o'clock in the morning. It was a 45-minute jo- uh, drive one way from this job, so far away they were. So at 11 o'clock, he shows up. So I call him like, what are you doing? he's like, well, we forgot a piece of pipe or something. And I was like, well, great, whatever. He gets the pipe, he drives back. So 45 minutes one way, that's an hour and a half round trip that comes into play later because Max and I finished our training Friday afternoon. We're driving back and we call to check where everybody is. They're still out there at four in the afternoon. And we're like, what do you got left to do? And the lead technician, not knowing I had talked to my son, lead technician goes, oh, you know, it's just taking forever. And we still got to do the liner and the crown and, of course, a brick. And I'm like, right. Okay. So we get all the way home. By the time I get home, it's now like 5, 530 call. They're still out there. They're struggling. Uh, they're just putting the liner in. I'm like, what the hell? So I drive out there. I'm like, what? I got to go see what's going on. I get out to this job at seven o'clock on a Friday night, and they're just getting ready to take the scaffolding down. So I pulled this lead technician aside and I was like, what happened? Oh man, you know, just, you know, one of those days and it got away from us and this and that. I was like, well, yesterday you said you only had uh, a couple courses in a crown and a liner to do. Yeah, it just took forever. And I said, all right. I said, I talked to my son when he was going back there and he said, oh, I, I missed that part. I talked to my son uh, when I got to the job and he said that when he got back with those parts, they hadn't done anything. They just sat and waited for him to come back. I said, okay, that makes sense. So an hour and a half round trip drive, they did nothing while he was gone. So I called him on and I said, uh, he's saying that when he left, you didn't do anything between when he left and he came back. And he goes, yeah, well, we didn't have any tools. All the tools were in his van. (laughs) I said, what do you mean? You were in the middle of of rebuilding. You tell me you took all the tools off the roof and put them in the van for him to leave. What do you mean you didn't have any tools? It was the middle of the rebuild. And he just stared at me. Long story short is this guy's mentality was we have to stretch this job out as long as possible so we can get paid. This is the highest paid technician in my company by way more than the guy in second place because he promised all of this return. But that was the mindset. That started to permeate through the company. I think at the end of that day, not only was it seven o'clock, but a third van had to come out and they were helping him clean up. And I'm going, for the highest paid lead technician, all this experience, why is it taking this long to finish up a job that should have been done in three and a half days? Mindset. If your mindset is, I'm not going to make any money if I don't stretch these days out, that's where you get lazy workers, incomplete jobs, tired technicians, because I mean, What you've done is the guy in charge makes the job go longer. Now you've got all these other technicians. We had three, four technicians on the job. A second van showed up to help. A third van showed up to help. And me as the owner, I show up at seven o'clock at night on a Friday night. And I'm not kidding you, seven technicians still on the clock, all getting overtime on a job that should have been done that morning. I, I, I can't even explain to you how I lost my mind. That was the beginning of the end for that technician. So commission can't, can be a scary thing. Like I said, I, I did it. I lived it. I it turned me into a different person when all of a sudden everybody I saw was now a dollar sign and I'm starting to sell things to people that they don't necessarily need, but I need to sell it. So I'm like, Hey, your couch looks a little old. You can commit. I can get you a deal like, you know, pushing when they don't need it. But commission for us has turned into a gold mine because it keeps the technicians accountable. You're gonna get paid based on what you do. It's a give and take. I'm. I promise. I am going to fill your schedule. I'm going to put appointments on every day so that you have every opportunity to do work. Whether or not you sell a job or bid a job or get a job out of it, that's on you. There's still a little bit of the the service in there, like we talked about. You're not pushing product, but you're serving them. It's it's give them what they need. Don't give them what you want. That's a huge difference. But I promise to fill your schedule and in return, you do the best possible job that you can for that customer. I take care of you, you take care of them. And that was honestly, as a business owner, one of the hardest shifts for me was to get that out of my head. Because when you're a single operator, you're on every job, every estimate, sometimes all the phone calls, all the follow-ups, like every customer is personally yours and you're invested in every single piece of it. Then when all of a sudden you get technicians and now they're going out and taking care of customers and you're not there anymore, it's still in that in our minds that we have to get involved. We have to be there. We have to do it. We have to hold their hand. There was a guy on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. He's like, you know, I've I've been on every single job in 40 years. I'm like, that's great. But the job can't get done without you. That means you have a job. You don't have a business, right? Mark Stoner talked about that a while ago. That the difference between a job and a business. If the job can't get done without you having to physically be there, then you don't have a business and you don't have a career. You have a job. Same thing as my employees. If they don't show up, they don't get paid. If I don't show up, we don't get paid. That's a job. That's why I decided to grow, was because I didn't want everything reliant on me, my health, my energy, all the time, every day, forever. That's just that scares the the crap out of me. I don't want that. So shifting my mindset to putting other people in charge and letting them go and letting them make mistakes and and taking care of them was really hard for me. But that is now my job. My job is not the customer anymore. It can't be. My job is to take care of my employees in every way that I can give them everything they need to succeed. And in return, when they're taken care of, they will take care of the customer and they will take care of their assistant technicians because they, it, it, permeates through the company. Talk about that in another podcast. All of these are are interconnected here, but it's, it's the mindset. It's the leadership you have around your technicians. It's the people that are out there in your place leading these jobs. That's scary as hell. You have to make sure they have your mindset and they have your goals and motivation while giving the customer the same type of service that you would give them. That sounds like a lot, and it is. It, it it's very very intentional, which is why when I talk to people, they're like, "Oh, I'm trying to find an experienced sweeper. I'm trying to find a certified sweeper, an experienced mason." I'm like, "You don't want that. You don't, because now it's gone from your mindset and your motivation and your level of service to theirs. Then you can't control what they're gonna do, no matter how much you discipline and and keep up with them. It's I've done it. I've been there. It's very very hard. If you do get it there, and it's I don't think it's worth it. It's much easier to get a hold of." somebody young, somebody new, somebody fresh, somebody inexperienced, and train them into you, turn them into you so that when they get out there on the job, they're going to do the same type of job you're going to do. But that's what we've created. It's all interconnected. You can't take one part of this and say, oh, I'm just going to pay commission like John Caesar does, or I'm just going to do this part or that part. It's one giant mindset, one giant goal, one giant path that you create, Hire green, train them, give them all the the motivation and the, the uh, education that you can, and then feed them, not just with money, but with energy and with, uh, with attaboys and just everything that you, that you would want if you were out there in that position and watch them grow to the point that when you do start paying commission, say, okay, Hey, you're going to get a piece of whatever you do, whether it's a sweeping, whether it's a repair, whether it's a service, whatever you're doing out there, you get a piece of it. And it, it's amazing <laughs> that the company shifted after that. Like this this guy that I started out talking about, Mr. 148, he came in wanting commission. He wanted sales. I wouldn't give it to him because that's not what we did. But it's because of what we went through with him that my whole mindset, my mindset shifted. And I was like, that's what we're going to do. That's how we do it. But you've got to do it the right way for the right reasons. And now our company is better than ever because my guys go out there and they serve their customers. They do what needs to be done. They give them what they need, not give them what the technician wants. And the customers love it. They love it. They feel the difference between somebody selling them, standing there in front of them in their home going, well, if you sign up today, I'll give you half off or blah, 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 to, hey, I'm really sorry, but I found this. And unfortunately, this needs to be fixed before you can use it again. You know, give the office a call if you want to get it done. Thank you. Bye. No high pressure, no pushing, just service. Mr. 148, like I said, I brought him in paying all this money, telling him that he was going to replace me, which he was. That was the other thing. I hired him and paid him all that money because that was me getting out of the field for the first time. I was now out of the field and I needed somebody to take my place and bring in the same type of revenue, do the same quality of work that I was going to do. That's why I'm so hung up on him is not just what he did to our company, but he was supposed to replace me. That was my ticket out. That was my way of getting out of the van into the office to start to work on my business instead of in the business. And it was a complete and utter failure. Not only did he work 148 hours of overtime, milk the clock, not do anything, he had the lowest revenue of any technician for that six months this is my lead guy this is the guy that's supposed to be me and i've got new guys bringing in more money than him more jobs doing more work than him so we start going back we're like what what was he doing all of this time what was how can he be making such little money with all that experience so we go back and look at all of his estimates and since then of course we've gone back to the customers he was servicing and we're looking at his estimates looking at his inspection reports and wouldn't you know mr commission was pushing stove sales on every single customer he went to. He'd go out for a fireplace sweep, a sweeping. Well, the fireplace is swept, but you really need a wood stove in here. We could really get you a nice new Napoleon Regency, this and that. We're going to do it. Blah, blah. Customer didn't want that. They wanted their fireplace swept, and he's given a stove sale. Or he'd go out and he'd find a stove and he'd sweep it. Yeah, well, no, this is like 10 years old. You really should get a new one. And I went, I could not believe when I started going back through and reading all of his estimates that every single one included a brand new stove. No wonder the customers weren't calling. No wonder nobody trusted him. He was a salesman. He was selling in my van, and I had no idea what was going on. That crushed me. I'm like, this will never happen again. That's the difference between sales and service. You serve your customers. You don't sell them anything. And I promise you it will take off. Now, you pay your your technicians on commission or on piece rate. I hate saying commission because it's such a dirty word to me, but I don't like piece rate either. It sounds weird. So if anybody's got a different idea for what to call that, please let me know because I'd love to hear it. So you pay your commissions based on what they do. Comment came up in uh, one of the forums last week when I brought this up. Somebody goes, yeah, well, if you're going to pay the same amount to them, whether they get it done in eight hours or four hours, you're going to get them rushing through it and you're going to get bad work. You're going to get crappy quality for it. They're going to rush because they're getting paid the same no matter what. That is a much longer explanation that I can put in the last few minutes of this podcast. That'll be next week. But that comes down to accountability. That comes down to your quality control and it comes down to your culture. If you have a culture, well, I won't get into it now. That'll be next week's. But accountability is so key. Because like I said about Mr. 148, if I had been checking up on him week to week, day to day, following, making sure, checking his estimates, checking his uh, inspections, it, it, it almost comes down to babysitting, honestly. And it's such a pain in the, I, I, I don't want to be that guy that's got to babysit and handhold. But at some point you have to follow behind. You have to do quality control on every system you put in place. You have to inspect for what you expect. Don't assume, don't assume because you'll get taken advantage of. But if I had been holding him accountable and checking in on his estimates, checking in his inspection reports, I would have seen this coming a mile away. And I wasn't. Same thing with work in the field. I told you about those three employees that I had working in one year. All three were fired. All three, and I worked for a competing company. That was during what I call the armpit of Caesar Chimney's history. That was a really bad time for us because we didn't have hiring practices. We didn't have drug testing, background checking, accountability, quality. We had none of the stuff I'm talking about now. And I kept hiring experience and I kept hiring and training and I didn't have any systems. It was all just make it up, figure it out. What has happened in the years since all three of them have left is, of course, these customers call back. We get the returning business. Hey, can you come out again and sweep it? And we're going out and I can't even tell you the piss poor quality of work that I'm finding with my name on it. There is nothing in this world that scares me more than somebody going, oh yeah, Caesar Chimney did it to a roofer, to an inspector, to another chimney sweep, to a plumber, to an HVAC guy. And they go, what? Caesar Chimney did that? Oh, great. I thought they were a good company. I've heard that too. I've heard it from people. I thought you guys did better work than this. So I'm like, we do when we're serving, not when we're selling, but we go back now. And without that quality control, without that accountability, we find some, I, I wish I could post these pictures on Facebook, but I'd get crucified in the comments for it. But my name's on it. Now I got to fix it. Now I got to make it right because these customers paid top dollar for a premium service from a reputable company and they got a, a mud pie is what they got. And now I've got to go back out and fix it. So next week, we're going to go over how we switch that. How do we hold these technicians accountable for the work that they're doing, for the time on their clock, for for the service they're providing? It's a lot. It's not as simple as just showing up at a job. It's not as simple as like just looking once in a while, checking in randomly. It's not that simple. It comes down to a culture of accountability because everybody's got to be on board. Everybody has to know the goal. Everybody has to take part in this and buy in or it doesn't work and i got so many more stories about that armpit area era of caesar chimney that it's it's sad honestly but i've rambled enough um that's all i got for this week next week we'll go over the culture of accountability and until then thank you for lending new york